Queer Business Success, the podcast for LGBTQIA business owners, aspiring entrepreneurs, coaches, caregivers, and the allies who love our community. We tell the stories of why our businesses were formed, who we serve, our challenges and successes, and we offer sound advice to our fellow queer entrepreneurs. Our hope is to inspire, enlighten, and highlight the services that our LGBTQIA businesses and allies offer. If we can do this, so can you. We believe that we need more LGBTQIA business owners, not only for our community, but for a better world. Here's our host, Anne-Marie Zanza. Hi, this is Anne-Marie Zanza, and welcome back to uh, episode of Queer Business Success. I'm so excited to welcome to the show today, Rivers. Rivers is a mindset coach and healer who helps overachievers redirect energy from self-sabotage, shame, and resentment to reinvent their most extraordinary life and align with the peace they desire. Trained in more than 20 healing modalities, River uses her background in business and psychology, facilitate bespoke, efficient transformation. River is also an author, songwriter, traveler, former triathlete, and animal lover. Welcome, River, to the show. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. What is Bespoke? Oh, customized. I'm I'm super individualist. So if you're listening and like me, you love personality tests, there's one called Strengths Finders that I did during business school. And my number one by far was individualist, which means that I treat every single person differently than I treat everyone else. I'm Mm -hmm. really interested in specific people's strengths, obstacles, and how to overcome those obstacles to do more of their strengths. Okay. So you are, you identify as queer. Can you tell me a little bit about your queer journey? Yes. So like you, I became both consciously aware and public about it later in life. I had been unconsciously aware and at times consciously aware earlier in life. And Mm -hmm. I just decided to repress it and numb it and numb it with substances, with work, with busyness, all these things that I thought would make my life just be better because, you know, I thought things were hard enough. I didn't need to add queer on top of that. And then at some point that just didn't work anymore. And Mm -hmm. the more that I had done my own healing on myself and really grown and done a ton of personal development, a ton of healing, didn't do any substances. I realized that this was something that I couldn't hide from myself anymore. And at some point couldn't hide from other people anymore. And so that's where queer came in. And then actually it's interesting because my work with energy work and I work with Reiki, Akashic Records, a number of different energy healing modalities Mm -hmm. that actually led to the realization that I'm non-binary. Mm-hmm. And that's a journey that I haven't really uh, shared about very much because it's not something that most people would understand or be interested in. But it was really like the more I was connected in different places, the less I was connected to a sense of gender. And so for me, it felt very coming back home to realize that I was non-binary and it felt like like an integration of fullness. Mm-hmm. Well, congratulations. That's so excited when we, when we figure out a piece of ourselves that we either ignored or didn't realize we have. So congratulations. Thank and you. This is Pride Month that we're taping, yes. probably are listening <laughs> to this in September, but we're taping in Pride Pride Month right now. So congratulations, yeah. River. That's really cool. 
Thank you. And that's so beautiful that you say that because yes, I've found, you know, with pride month and with pride, it's so necessary because there is usually an element of grief and mourning and all the pain that led to these moments of pride. And so taking these moments of pride, of celebration, of congratulations are even extra meaningful. Yeah, they absolutely are. So tell me a little bit about your business. Sure. So I am a mindset coach and energy healer. I have been coaching for the last three years and energy healing for the last eight years. And I came to energy healing because of my own chronic illness. I tried Western medicine and Eastern medicine and naturopathy and homeopathy and all of these different things. And energy work was really my last stop. I didn't believe in it. That wasn't interested in it. And then somehow came face to face with a shaman who said, please let me train you. Mm-hmm. And so I did. And I just, I kept going and I healed other people and I watched them transform miraculously. And all this time I was actually moonlighting while in business school. And mm-hmm. so I was knee deep in financial spreadsheets and getting my MBA, working as a management consultant, and then moonlighting literally at midnight or even later doing energy healing on people. And then at some point it made the most sense for me. I felt like I could have the most impact with the, what I'd been given, the skills that I'd been worked on if I did that full-time instead of working at companies as a whole, working with individuals and helping them overcome things that they didn't think were possible to overcome. Mm-hmm. And that was something that I was always really interested in because I noticed a lot of people had seen dead ends, similar to how I'd seen a dead end, you know, with my chronic illness and doctors said, oh, there's nothing we can do for you. Great. We finally diagnosed you, but there's nothing we can do for you. You'll just have these symptoms forever. And so when I see those dead ends and other people and show them just a little crack of a door that says, this is actually not the end. And there's actually other possibilities here. That's really magical. And things change really fast after that. So I'm really grateful to be doing this work. Absolutely. Um, I, in my own coaching practice, I coach women who come out later in life to the queer community. I have a Reiki master that's on my team. I know how to do Reiki, but I have, I don't have the time to do it with the, with the women that are in our community. So I have a a woman in my community that's actually a level, she's a level three and she can teach other people that and all that stuff. I'm only a level one. So I find that the energy healing is just as important as all the other work that we do in the community. It's just getting people to understand the challenges a lot of times is getting people to understand like what it is and what it does. And, and I always like saying, embrace the woo, (laughs) embrace (laughs) it. Just try it. Don't be afraid of it. Just give it a try. Now, I was thinking to myself, my gosh, what two different sides of your brain you were using <laughs> when you were in business school during the day. I'm a non-binary healer. What can I say? You know, yeah. I, do the, I do the masculine stuff. I do the feminine stuff because I'm woo for sure. Yeah. But I also like mm-hmm. results. I like tangible results. I want right. to see action. I want to see where this is actually going. And not all woo people like that. So I kind of bring them both together. Yeah. Some people that like, don't, don't like data. Right. Yeah. You know, it makes me think about, so when I was in the evangelical covenant church, when I was in my thirties, late thirties in the entire time, and it was just not a good fit for me. And that's a very long story. But during the entire time that I was there, I used to practice Kundalini yoga four days a week. And it's like, it, it was like such a dichotomy between, you know, being in this evangelical church was not meeting my spiritual needs at all. And then, mm. you know, going to this Kundalini yoga class, which was so incredibly life-giving on my journey. And so it's funny, it's like two different sides of your 
brain. Like, how can you belong to an evangelical church and be practicing Kundalini yoga at the same time, you know? Well, I think very easily. And that's, that's, you know, part of my mindset is like, and both like, yes, like do Uh everything. There aren't only Uh two options. It's not yes or no. It's, it's, and it's Uh like you said, does this fill you up? Does this like awaken your soul? Does it make you feel more alive? If so, let's do more of that. Yeah, absolutely. I I get that. So what is the challenges of your business right now? I think one challenge that I have is I have been so steeped in trauma work for the last decade. And Mm -hmm. now where I am is I'm kind of pivoting away from that towards what can we create? Because the thing about healing, um, specifically the specific type of mindset work that I do is it brings you to neutral I think Mm -hmm. we can do better than that. I think we can do better than neutral. I think that we can create things that we actually want and create the kind of world that we want to be in, you know, better than neutral. Just getting to neutral is a miracle. It is. But I think Mm -hmm. we can do better than that. And so I find that sometimes people have been so comforted by specific labels that they Mm -hmm. haven't been as interested in transcending past neutral. Because there is a point when having a label gives a sense of empowerment. Like, oh, I have this label. I'm not alone. I'm not crazy. You know, like, like I have all these things in common with other people. I have this community now and I have this support now. So there is an extent that it does lift up, but only to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. And keeping that label makes it so that people can't transcend that neutral level and get to where things are good. And so go ahead. So can get, can you give me an example of like when people use a label and it it's neutral, it's good, but there's so many more possibilities beyond that label. Because I find in the queer community, when people first come out, they often rebel against the myriad of labels <laughs> again in the LGBTQ community. There is so many labels that a lot of times when I, the women I work with, when they come out later in life, they're, they're so ready to shed the labels that were forced upon them. And so a lot of times when they start seeing all the labels in the queer community, particularly around dating, because they go on the apps first and the apps have a lot of deficits. And so they get really hung up. Like, why do I have to use a label? I'm just me. This is who I am. And all those things like that. I've always pushed back is that we've used labels all the time. You know, we use them, you know, mother, daughter, sister, aunt, especially if we identify as female mathematician, a coach, you know, all kinds of labels we use all the time. So talk to me a little bit more what you're meaning about like when we have a label and pushing behind beyond what that label should be. I think it's the connotations that we have with that label. So I was thinking things like survivor, mental illness, you know, things that can mm-hmm. be transcended, but not if that becomes a core part of the identity, but thinking about queer labels, you know, and how helpful micro labels are to certain people, especially when first discovering things about themselves or explaining things to other people. For example, non-binary person would say to someone else, oh, I'm non-binary. And they'd say to another non-binary person, I'm with 15 different labels of, of what they are, because it's it's all about context. But I think it was, I think it was The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, who said mm-hmm. something like, I'm paraphrasing, these aren't the words that he said, but what does this label mean to you? So for example, take woman. Mm-hmm. If there's any connotations in there about misogyny, victimhood, you can never get ahead compared to men. There's something about that label that is holding you down. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying don't call yourself a woman. If you feel like you're a woman, you know, some labels are how we exist I find in the society. Word, so it's funny because I find the word, word woman empowering. Yes. But that's just my mind. You know, that's my mindset. And, yes. and, but some people may not. So let me, I'll tell you an example. Like my wife, when I first met her, she loves the word lesbian. She loves the word lesbian, 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 lesbian. And first, when I was first coming out, um, my therapist said to me, so you're in a lesbian. And I literally went, I don't want to use that word. I like literally put my hand up because of the connotation that lesbian had for me Mm. growing in the era. And even relatively recently, the, the word lesbian meant someone who was masculine presenting not attractive to men. And so I used to really- And that's like, so interesting because I don't have those connotations with lesbian at all. So it's so funny how different words- We're can different, different generations. Yeah, yeah, we're different generations. I probably got a good 20 years on you. So, you know, we are different generations. And so my, and, and um, so my wife is like such a proud lesbian and she loves that word. And she's helped me love that word too, because- to her, it's, she was like, it just simply means women who love women. That's mm-hmm. a woman who loves women. And that's all it means. And she uses that word lesbian as like a, uh, a word of power. And my being, you know, identifying as a lesbian now, I feel really badass with that word. And like, and there's some things about it that are with my femininity and being a woman, but also to me, the word lesbian gives me to like, I understand what it means to be non-binary because I, I get what it means to be floating between these, these two. I actually probably would call myself a gender more than non-binary because I, I don't, I don't particularly, you know, it's just not a label that feels good to me. And so, and I know non-binary feels good to you. So I would actually know, call myself a gender as well, but for me, it's a sub bucket. Ah, see, you know, and that's the thing is that I think that they have so many labels can have so many meanings. And so I'm really curious, lesbian, the word lesbian for you. I find even when my clients are 30, they really struggle with the word lesbian. So tell me why you don't have any problem with the word lesbian, because even my clients that are 30 and around 30 or so struggle with that word. Tell me about like why you like, why you're like, oh, I don't think that about the word lesbian at all. I think that all labels are in words are neutral and it's just the meanings that we give to them. So if there is a label or a word that gives us power and that brings us joy and lightness, then I think that's, that's, that's a good thing. And then Mm -hmm. if there are labels and words that we have, some type of grief or some type of story about saying, I can't do this because I'm this label or this label means this negative thing about me, then that's something to examine and look at and say, does this label need to be part of my identity? Is this, is this helping me? Even if it did help me at one point, but Mm -hmm. back to, back to lesbian, I don't know. I think lesbian, I think lipstick lesbian. I think butch lesbian. I think, I think a lot of different kinds of lesbians. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. We're not. And just like, you know, like now I always laugh when they call it the queer agenda. I said, we're not organized, organized enough as a community to have an agenda because there's so many different subsets with even in the LGBTQIA plus, you know, like there's just so many people that identify with the queer family, but 
you know, how we present and what we're interested in and how we identify regarding gender and sexuality is also very, very, very different. You know, you can put two LGBTQ people in in a room together, but doesn't mean they'll agree on anything. Of course. (laughs) Yeah. Of course. And I think that that is so important. And and what you're doing is so important to humanize different parts of the experience because we are all human beings and we all have different opinions, different views on life, different experiences, different ways of looking at things. And no minority is a monolith. Mm -mm. And and also no minority. And sometimes there are stereotypes within a minority and like my wife and I laugh and then we sort of embrace some of the stereotypes we have sometimes, you know, we joke about it and things like that. But what people don't understand is that people who are queer have such unique and varied stories. Like we go from people who are incredibly out and and flamboyant and wonderful in their flamboyantness to people that are, you know, the quiet librarian at the, you know, I mean, we are not like there's just just like the human race, there's all kinds of shades of queer. And I think people, when they just make one assumption, they miss the beauty of our community. They really miss the beauty of it because it is truly a very unique and beautiful community. Right. And it's, you know, everything's on a spectrum. I think the largest group is bisexual, but when you think about the queer community, you think like gay or trans and it's like, okay, but the largest is bisexual. So there, there's a huge spectrum of people. Yeah, there absolutely is. So what would be, what would you say is like really the biggest successes with your business river? When I meet with people and they tell me that now they have hope and excitement in places where they didn't have those things before. Mm-hmm or they feel like it's okay to be them and they don't have to be ashamed anymore of mm-hmm. who they are or things that they've done and that it's it's really okay. Mm-hmm. That's really moving for me that we get to have these experiences with each other and we get to have these connections with each other and you know these kind of light posts saying, you know, keep going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what would you say, like, if someone came to you, I'm going to ask this question twice to you. If somebody came to you and said, hey, I'm thinking about coaching, what would you tell them to do? What would be your piece of advice? They said, hey, River, I need some advice. What should I do? I would say three things. This is is very consultant style that I have to give a list. I would say (laughs) first, find out what your skills and talents are that can cause transformation in other people. And if you don't have them, go out and learn some. Two. Figure out who you want to work with and what kinds of people you can create this transformation for. And three, stay in your own truth because there's a lot of noise out there and there's a lot of people that are going to be telling you to do it this way, to do it that way, to not do it at all. And just keep in your own integrity of what you know is true for you and true for your clients and lead with your own inner wisdom. That's great advice. So how about if a queer person comes to you and says, River, I want to go into doing this, what would you say to them? I would say that your voice is needed because Mm -hmm. there aren't enough of us out there and there aren't enough of us being being these light posts for other people saying, I can do it too. Mm -hmm. And showing that joy and peace are possible no matter what else is going on in the world. 
Great advice. I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer that we need more queer people showing up in the coaching fields and planting their big old queer flag in it. So people know that they're queer. So I love that advice. So River, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Queer Business Success, the podcast that highlights LGBTQIA businesses. New episodes are published regularly on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and other listening platforms. Wherever you're listening, take a moment to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. Are you an entrepreneur who's also queer? Want to share some of your wisdom and experience with the rest of us? We'd love to have you on the show. Just click the link in the show notes to apply to be a guest. Until next time, queer friends and allies, keep taking care of business.